Welcome, everybody, to the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. A new chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet. Beep, beep, I'm a sheep. I said beep, beep, I'm a sheep. Meow, meow, I'm a cow. I said meow, meow, I'm no. Something good for ya. everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the something good for you podcast where the two of us sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week when we're not busy <laughs> and i'm one of your two co-hosts alex stiff back from a fun trip from the rim playing the debut of super jet with the one and only captain nun right here across from me we tried to do a podcast that was an idea but you yeah, get, you get comfortable on the ride back. It's a six-hour trip. Well, there, there was a trust me. We're we're still gonna do a little recap on that because I feel that there's enough story to be told from trying to get there. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and everything else. So I won't have I won't have Tony back. So I actually have topic idea because we woke up the next morning and we were like, okay, well we're just gonna do a big roundtable. We were gonna do it with Tony. We're gonna have it with Brad. You know, and just kind of talk about the show in general and you know just our typical you know morning after at the rim part. You know, whatever it would have been three, I guess. Yeah, and th- at this point we kind of expected to do so. Yeah, but you know we all just Tony's like, fuck that. I got kids to see. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> so we had a boogie on back, and then he was like well we can just fucking do it in the car and i'm like okay well if we do it in the car we're gonna have to actually have topics you know we're just gonna have an actual conversation then we couldn't come up with any sort of good conversation so we get belittled for being bad hosts and not having shit ready i know (laughs) i was ready to bullshit if it was uh possible well it's also really loud in the van so it's like that would have been an editing nightmare (laughs) that's not a thing i was worried it was not a quiet minivan (laughs) no then there'd been a lot of it's a big van too so it'd been passed around yeah like that, that would have been an editing nightmare. He wants <laughs> he wants to bitch about some of our shows anyway. That would have been an unlistenable episode. So instead, we went a week without it. But we'll have Tony back because I feel we've got some good topic ideas. And plus, we got to talk about the show and how fun it was. It was. But for the very first time on this show, a guy that hopefully we can say is he's just staring out this window, <laughs> zoning the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to play tonight, too. Yeah. Well, you got to wake up, man. You're you're pulling a Mikey on us already. You're just kind of <laughs> well. Now, it, it, like Cap was just telling me, Mikey has a bad habit of just like breathing directly into the microphone, and now I'm consciously like, <laughs> oh, <no>. trying <laughs> to not be a mouth breather. Like I'm just, I'm like, okay, focus. <laughs> Pressure. <laughs> just like, <laughs> don't breathe on the mic we've got the drummer for home for the day and new drummer for the fill-ins christian jesus fucking christ don't go anywhere yeah dude we're putting you on the show i ain't planning on going anywhere good <laughs> we're, we're, we're putting you out into the atmosphere it's on record now it's on record we've done this once before and it backfired is this the first time i've actually said this in something that's recording like i feel like this is a verbal well, this is the, contract this now is the, this is the first time you've actually spoken in any sort of way that will be archived yep Oh. At least in association wow. with the fill-ins. With the fill-ins, yeah. Okay, so it's 
it's a legitimate contract now. Yeah, yeah like, it is. Legally binding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there is a copyright on something good for you, so that means any sort of audio that does go through there is either through either some sort of fair use slash ownership because it is our voices, so... Gotcha, bitch! Gotcha, motherfucker! <laughs> this was a trap. If anybody's listening to this, please help me. <laughs> help him by coming out to shows and showing him how much of a fucking amazing drummer he is. Yeah, dude. If, if I stop showing up to shows, um, somebody just hack Alex's life, please. His social security number. <laughs> How the fuck did you know that? <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Sorry. Beautiful. <laughs> You're off to a great start. <laughs> I'm doing big things over here. You are also, doing big things. Also, that's what that is under the table. Well, 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 we, we can put it all on it. the table if you want. <laughs> well, speaking of that, let's have... <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> speaking of... <laughs> <laughs> Having fun, Christian? Good. This is okay. fun. Excellent. This is fun. Excellent. Well, let's actually go into a little bit of your background, because uh, how old are you? If you want to tell us your age, we know we don't talk about, you know, ladies' ages, so if you don't want me to kind of, you know, go into Bad manners. I just had to think about it. I just had my birthday, so I'm 24 now. There you go, 24. One of the things I actually uh, have kind of adopted being a budding, attempting, half-ass interviewer is the one question that winds up getting people talking the most, which is, what was the first band that you remember listening to going, that was my band? Uh... It, so, I really, really got into music in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, seventh grade, I started, I heard uh, Linkin Park on the Transformers soundtrack. I was like, oh, okay, they, this is cool. And then that was when Minutes to Midnight was out and they were going more like alternative rock. And I went and listened to like the old new metal stuff. And I was like, this band is everything. Um, so... Rise Against is my favorite band now, and I found out that in passing, I had been listening to them since like 2003, because their music was getting featured in like the Tony Hawk games, Guitar Mm -hmm. Hero. It's like I've been listening to them a lot longer than Linkin Park, and I didn't even realize it until I went back and like got really into them. So I guess Linkin Park, Rise Against, one of those. Right, right. It's crazy how many doors the Tony Hawk games open. Right? Oh, for a God. lot of bands. I've I've discovered so many bands through the Hot Water Music, AFI, mm-hmm. yep. um, like a lot of ska bands. I'm pretty sure every ska band has been on the Tony Hawk games at some point. That's probably why it had that resurgence <laughs> when it did, too. Well, speaking of the Tony Hawk games, I actually have an interesting story on that one. So... Um, past few episodes when we've been talking about you know our musical past and stuff i've always said that you know kiss and the misfits were you know definitely my first main two bands that i really latched on to <clears throat> what i hadn't really talked about though was so i really fell into the misfit i mean i fell into kiss mom showed me the ramones it was like okay yeah yeah i get it you know sex pistols okay i get it and she's like well i'll show you the misfits she didn't start with any of the collections. She didn't start with Static Age. She got me Earth AD, which was basically like their thrashy, like super fast punk stuff. And I listened to it and I was like, this is what everyone's always going on about? Nah, I don't I don't think I like the Misfits. It, it didn't grab me at first. And started playing one of the Tony Hawk games. There was an AFI song called Astro Zombies. And I'm like, huh. 
don't typically like these kind of bands, but this song is kind of cool. I like this. So I hopped online to see if, because I was already a little online music downloader at that point. I think it was Underground 2 was the game I had. It was on GameCube. And I hopped online. I think oh, yeah. I hop on LimeWire and I did a search for Astro Zombies and all these songs for the Misfits came up, Astro Zombies. And I'm like, Wait, what? They did this? (laughs) And then I listened to it and I was like, this is even better than the one that was on Tony Hawk. (laughs) Now I get it. Now I get it. And then I was like, I have to find the album that has this on it, which was Collection One. And then I listened to that and I was like, I get the Misfits now. This is good. I like this. I'm I'm still waiting to have like that moment with the Misfits Mm -hmm. because I... And it, it's been so long. It's like I was hanging out with people in high school who would listen to them, and I would hear like a song here or there, and I'm just like, this ain't doing it for me. Yeah. So I still haven't had that moment. So maybe you can like push me so, in that direction. I'm sure everybody's had that with different bands. So I knew that your music background definitely did come from, you know, a what was happening in the here and now almost when you were growing yeah. up. When a lot of our previous guests, you know, are either, you know, older to where, you know, they can also talk about things that were coming out when they were listening to it, but it was still part of the 80s and 90s, but... Not Kiss. Yeah, but at the same time with Cap and I, we were raised on, you know, stuff that was before our time also. It's like, what kind of stuff did your mom listen to, and did it kind of influence anything? So, you and I have actually had this conversation before. Um, It's funny now because... and. I'm going to talk my shit because I know chances are she's not going to hear this. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) She, at first, she wouldn't let me listen to like like heavier stuff. I remember the first time I ever wanted to like, I think it, I think I wanted a Judas Priest CD, and she was like, no, no. I I was probably in like sixth grade. She's like, uh, uh. Okay. Um, but then one of her one of her coworkers. Like back when she was in law enforcement, um, I was riding in the truck with him and he started playing like ACDC, like TNT. That's really the only song I like by ACDC, but that, that kind of got me hooked. And then he showed me Metallica. And then as I started getting older, mom started showing me, you know, okay, this is the stuff she was listening to, like Nirvana, Metallica, Tool. Uh, Mm. mom really got me into Tool, uh, and then now it's kind of like she bit into the mainstream like rap stuff and really? uh, we lost that musical connection uh, every time uh, we come over to practice that's what she's got blaring at the house yep uh, also like she got me into some other like not in rock necessarily but like beach boys and the commodores earth wind mm. and fire like see, stuff and like that, that. that was the kind of stuff that i was curious to know like what she listened to see if it influenced you at all because with mom she listened to her 80s hair metal she listened to you know some of her punk but you know a lot of the things she listened to was like 80s new wave and you know duran duran shit like that that just growing up i'm like oh my god why do we have to fucking listen to this uh (laughs) to where it's like now i'm making a playlist that's called you know it's just like 80s new wave and i'm adding all these songs i remember listening to in the car as a kid my folks always have just like the most like stereotypical yacht rock shit from the 70s that i just put up with for 18 years and anytime jimmy i go buffett. home it's this jimmy buffett fucking christopher cross fucking my mom showed me jimmy buffett too che- really? cheeseburger in paradise was one of my favorite songs as a kid <laughs> yeah 
I think that's only suitable for kids and old guys that want to drink fucking pina coladas all day at the beach as their wife left them and they're having a midlife crisis. That's, yeah. yeah. That, that, was, <laughs> that seems but, like the know, only two age ca- categories. Yeah. But it's catchy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's totally catchy. I just, I remember seeing like an article about that song a couple years ago and I was like, what could be making music headlines about this song? And as it turns out, apparently a lot of people think he says he likes mustard on his burger, but he prefers Munster, like Munster cheese. Yeah. And for years, people have thought he's saying mustard, and he's like, no. I was like, that is so controversial about a cheeseburger. Isn't it, isn't it crazy, though, that Jimmy Buffett has been able to milk these two songs for like... 50 years cheeseburger and margaritaville yeah that's what, all he had what, to do what, what other songs does he have i don't know yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> i have the cd that has those two songs on it and i couldn't tell you the name of any of the other songs on that album yeah, yeah. it's we- like the rest of them are skip tracks <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can't it's name. like he has to put that as the first and last song on the cd or no one would listen to the rest of it <laughs> oh no the problem is it's like the first two songs. Oh, yeah. It's like and the two rest of the songs are your whatever. A side, and then the rest of it's just a long ass B side. <laughs> they thought of that early on, going like, you know, what would be a great restaurant name. You know, be a great beach bum, fucking Mexican uh, <laughs> beach thing. And that 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 is one of those guys. And actually, I don't want to go too deep into it because that may tie into something that I wanted to do with Tony, topic wise, but. That is one of those anomaly musicians that's like, those two songs, and you know he's got to be rolling in it. Oh, yeah. yeah, for that, sure. He never took a dive, ever, probably, yeah. off of those two songs. I don't think so, because it, it just feels like always those quintessential, quote-unquote, timeless things that once it hit, it was there. Yeah. Margaritaville is timeless. What the fuck? Oh, God. <laughs> if that doesn't make you re-examine what you're doing. Right? <laughs> We're doing it wrong. <laughs> Every time I hear Margaritaville, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is stepping on a pop top. That, that just, that, that, that's all I think about. <laughs> Makes you think of what? It, that's one of the lines. Yeah, like, no, see, uh, I don't even just, know the song that well. Uh, one of his lines is like, he stepped on a pot, pop top. And he cut his heel and he had to fly on back home or something. And I was like, if you're stepping on a metal pop top, like, I just, I just like, a bottle cap, like, I want to know, I don't want to know what that feels like, but I'm like, did he really experience this? (laughs) Well, I do have something to say, though. Um, Not sure if you know this, but um, some songs are kind of based in fiction. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) You mean Jimmy Buffett may have embellished a little? He may have not cut his heel on a bottle cap? Is that what you're insinuating? Quite possibly. No. Which actually, here, that's a nice little segue to something I saw online the other day. So I'm totally not taking credit for this, but it really did make me think. Because I can't stand the song to begin with. Hotel California. <laughs> you want to talk about shit that I would hear on a regular basis with my parents. Oh, really? Uh-huh. All that song is is an angry Yelp review. <laughs> but, but no, man, it's about life. Oh, my God. <laughs> but if you watch... Like I said, I'm not taking credit for that. I saw it online. But that's not the goddamn truth. I watched an interview with... I, 
since I was raised with the Eagles, I was I still have a little like fucking like soft spot for him. I've seen interviews with Don Hanley where it's just like we just like to leave it open ended and not tell anybody what it's about. No, it was like, it's... like like there was like a myth behind it. I've never heard it. What the fuck are you talking about? Um, just to touch on the Jimmy Buffett thing real oh, quick. Yeah? His net worth is six hundred million dollars. So no, he has never. Oh my god! Like failed all right <laughs> again we're Let, doing it wrong all right keep keep that up pull uh right, um who do we want to compare that to because we know those numbers are always wrong anyway but let's just let's just kind of get a generality who do we want to throw that up against just like anybody that's a millionaire or, or uh yeah someone we know is in the limelight right now that's got some dough mm. let's do kanye west sure look up kanye west okay. is that that I, i'm curious on that because he he may have had a few failed businesses, but his net worth, he as a person, is still valuable, even if some of his companies. He aren't. never lost his brand. Two hundred fifty million dollars. <laughs> Jimmy Damn. Buffett is worth almost. Well, I'd be two Kanyes and some change. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett is worth two Kanyes. Wow. And some change. <laughs> Let that sink in. And think how large of a following Kanye has right yeah. now. Like, you never hear anybody talk about Jimmy Buffett. No. And he's worth over two Kanye's. <laughs> is it, it just using Kanye West as a unit of measurement now? I like this. Kanye West is the new, like, metric for currency. Is it? Shit, let's go for Jimmy Buffett numbers, y'all. Don't go for Kanye I'm numbers. Worth, I'm not even worth a Kanye toe. Yeah. <laughs> the pinky toe, even. Kanye's the rookie numbers. You gotta get up to Jimmy Buffett. That's... The bar is low with Kanye. <laughs> Oh, Griffin's going to hate me for this. By the way, Griffin's coming out to the show tonight. So nice. That's going to be fun. This is going to be a fun show. But Speaking of the show tonight, it's going to be out after the show's over with, so there's really no need to promote it, but the Fireball Sweat Party. Yeah. It's going to be your first in a Fireball event. I don't think he's ready. I'm not. <laughs> we'll see how it Did somebody goes. tell me there was going to be wrestling at this, too? Is that a thing that there may happen? There might be, but I don't think at this show. There usually is. They really do. Okay. They, they don't do it, really, at the Milestone, and I totally get it. Just because yeah, because there's just not the, the room. Yeah. Well, last... or I played at the Milestone, like, two weeks ago with Home for the Day, and we got there, and there was an inflatable swimming pool mm-hmm. out on the patio and the, apparently they were doing like pool wrestling yeah, and they'll, yeah. What? they'll do the gorgor luchador over uh at the milestone but never fireball full-on wrestling yeah sometimes ring. sometimes the gore girls uh they'll be part of the uh fireball shows but i think on this one he's just got uh two of the dancers and a bunch of different music acts and if he puts on a full-on wrestling event he they bring a full-on ring too. Yeah, because we went to a uh, we played a Mandy Land event one time that was outside. Which <clears throat> some of the footage from that is in our Strutter music video. The uh, the grinder girl that was up mm-hmm. there that doing the sparks off, you know her naughty bits. Yeah, uh, that was at that show, and uh, it was a big outdoor event. So since it was outdoors and large, Fireball had a segment in that event. So he brought the ring out, you know, had like a full wrestling thing. So if I remember correctly. The night I met you guys was, I know it was at the Milestone, and somebody put my old band on there, 40 Ounce Mouse, mm-hmm. and I remember on the flyer, I saw something about the Gorgor Luchadors, but 
I didn't get to stay for the whole show. I didn't even get to see you guys play because apparently when we got there, um, Dylan, the original guitarist, his girlfriend didn't think the milestone had alcohol for some reason. So she walked over to that gas station and just came waltzing back in with a tall boy and <laughs> Buck kicked her out. Yeah. And that'll happen. she yep. had to sit in the car. And then after we played, it was like, okay, well, she can't sit in the car the whole show. So I had to leave. Damn. And the night I met you guys, I, I didn't actually get to see y'all play. That would come, what, like four or five She's- months later. She's just like, I'm gonna bring some uh, some beer over to this this dude's house or whatever. <laughs> it, well, no, it's like she walked over to that gas station, and I'm just like, okay, first off, I've been in that gas station. Yeah, that's a rough yeah. little place. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm just like, the bar's right there. Like, what what did you miss? Like, <laughs> I. I, I don't know. That that still baffles me that, to that this day. One, that one baffles me, and the ones where people think they can still get into venues without IDs. Yeah. Oh, but I know such and such. No. It don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to have your ID, buddy. So you're not worth my ass in jail. No, I, I actually remember that show now. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll sometimes get the Gorgor girls to uh, do that with us because it's a lot of fun, you know. And they always do it for charity, you know. They always mm-hmm. pass around a bucket, you know, and a lot of the door proceeds, you know, wind up going to that because we'll try to make it a Gorgor event, right? You know, that way, they're the so that focus. show wasn't a fireball show though, right? No, that was not a fireball show. Okay. I don't believe. Okay. No, uh, his he used to do the main ones at Tremont, and it was cool the way it would work out because because um, you remember the way Tremont set up had two rooms yeah. with the stages. So he uh, there was these stage extenders. I don't know if Tremont had them if he had. I think Tremont had them. I think so, but yeah, you might be right. Yeah. Um, he would have these stage extenders that would go to the left and right sides of the stage that would extend out further. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So bands would play and while the bands would play you would have dancers on these stage extenders kind of you know grooving along to your music right while the bands are playing they're setting up for the match in the big room in the big room they would set up the wrestling ring okay so then so while the bands are playing that's giving the wrestlers enough time to you know swap everything out get all their stuff ready because of course it's very theatrical with mm-hmm. you know oh, light yeah. bulb smashing and you know barbed wire and all this stuff yeah it was cool so you know shit. they're getting all their deathmatch stuff set up and ready while we're listening to music or watching girls dance or doing whatever and then as soon as that's done everyone just would go right into the other room and watch wrestling and while that's happening the bands would tear down the next one would set up sound check all that that way just the entire night it was a back and forth of wrestling music wrestling music dancing all that stuff hmm. and it's just kind of a miniature version of it now it's just yeah. without the wrestling okay okay because uh looking into the future <laughs> there's gonna be um a, uh, i think one or two bands and then us uh directly after us is a few dancers and then a few more bands and then it's done yeah Okay. Yeah. I'm sure that Fireball will MC uh, the event the entire oh, time, yeah. getting the character and all that too. Oh, definitely. Um, I'm kind of I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I don't know any of the other bands we're playing with tonight, you but I've bags? heard. I'm pretty sure you know. I've body heard bags. y'all talk about body bags, but I've never seen them. Um, also, I've heard a like lot them. about Emotron. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, he's got a big presence here in Charlotte, and somebody told me they went and saw him, and 
he lit his dick on fire. So oh, I'm kind of excited right. for this experience. <laughs> yep, he's uh, he's headlining the event, rightfully so. Uh, he's definitely very much a performing yeah. performance artist. Um, I'm you very know, interested too. I, I know very little. Also, I I'm mean, aware of the lore. How can That's you follow uh, lighting your dick on fire? <laughs> yeah, so I, I really wouldn't want to go on after that. So you know, he rightfully so, or instead. There's no ego in having headliner or open. It's just when do you want to load your shit on stage and play? (laughs) But it's like, at the same time, you kind of don't want to play after paint being splattered about and lighting your dick on fire. So, I mean... I, I wouldn't want to follow that up. No. no. So I, I'm rather interested. I've I've actually kind of intentionally strayed away. I've I've seen some video where he's covered in paint. You know, I've seen some photos where he's acting all you know contortionist and shit. Right. And I've I heard about the dick lighting on fire thing before. So I've after that and then knowing we're doing a show with him, I've kind of put my blinders on. And so I was like, I want to be surprised. I want to find yeah. out what's going to happen. Man. What was the other one that we played with at the Milestone a couple years ago? Uh, Goat and Your Mom? Yes. So you remember Goat and Your Mom? No. Uh, they, uh, they, it was one of those bands that got internet famous for a minute. They were on Tosh.0. Point uh, Oh. they it was were a like, freak show. Yeah. Their claim to fame was that uh, you want to fuck like a duck. I've, I've heard it. Yeah, I, I've heard it's, it. It's playing underneath right now for yeah. everyone else listening right now. But yeah, it's it's that song where he's like, "You want to fuck like no, you know, something like that." And in the, in the video, he's wearing the American flag uh, speedo and he's just flopping his dick around. Yeah, and, yeah. They went on tour and they played the milestone show with that. And guy. we were just and I was immediately on it. I was like, "Buck, Buck, we gotta be on this." <laughs> he's like, "You guys want this?" I was like, "Yes." And then and then I sent them a message. I was like, "We're playing." with this and they're like what really i was like yes we're doing this show <laughs> and what's weird is that people come out for the novelty of it oh yeah it's- dude it was a packed house yeah and that's part of the reason i wanted on it i was like dude it's a spectacle and we're gonna have a blast yeah because i love the dwarves you know they just have some toned down elements of that he who plays in you know either naked or just in a you know jock strap with a luchador mask on so it's like, you know, it's just an element of the shock rock. Plus, it's like I wanted to see what the fuck it was like in person. And it was fucking nuts. <laughs> Every song sounded the same. He kept flopping his dick in the speedo yeah. the entire time. And you got the gist of it. I was just like, all right, I saw one song. This is going to be every song, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> um, I remember one of the Halloween shows in the past couple years, you guys, I saw y'all were playing as electric six. Yes. And the only song I know by them is gay bar. Mm-hmm. Did y'all play that? We did. We oh totally my God. Did. Wait, there's video of it that too. Is hilarious. Yeah. We, we, we went all out on that one. Uh, I've got, that's where uh, cap started uh, referring to the space suit as <laughs> what I had was a, a silver Lamar or like laminated looking shirt. That's a button up. Uh-huh. I wore that with an Afro uh, bell bottoms <laughs> And I've still got them. I literally saw them yesterday and I put them away. So I literally looked at them and went, I'll find another use for these one day. They're these platform zebra print 70s boots. And they are sexy as hell. (laughs) They're (laughs) semi-furry. It's got some texture to it. They're awesome. And I totally wore a uh, Paul Stanley diamond version of that. uh, along Like the little chest piece. Oh, yeah, that too. And my George Clinton shoulder pads. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Full on fro then too. 
Yeah, yep. he, he had natural hair at that point. Somebody came up and was like, you look like the dude from Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> and of course, Adam. Stepping and, up in the world. Yeah. Adam and Mikey doing similar, you know, just found some obnoxious 70s button-up shirts and wore that. Yeah, we had a good time doing that show. That was our first Halloween show. The second Halloween show we did, The Dwarves, in which um, we had our own he who cannot be named that was up there in his underwear and a luchador mask. <laughs> you done the Halloween shows? No. What? Really? Uh, Have you been to any? They're, they're pretty fun because it's like every band, you know, just picks a band that they want to cover, you know, and they dress up like them. And it's cool just to see like Van Huskins did uh, Black Sabbath one year. That yeah. was really cool. Well, I, Fosmo was booked for it last year mm-hmm. and then uh, i quit right as the practicing for it started so i think they did an acoustic set as mm-hmm. alkaline trio got it um, i'm not sure i would usually they're two-day events so there's a lot of bands so it's hard to remember yeah I, I would love to do it at some point um we have the ability to this year and we yeah. already talked about that but just something quick at this point that well, we can figure it out. Well, now you're going to have to send me all those songs because I'm not paying for Spotify anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. But no, the Halloween shows are just a lot of fun, though. They are a lot of fun. Yeah, they'll usually pack out and everything, too. And I'm sure that's the way it is. Uh, oh, yeah, because even everyone else, even the audience gets into it. They come in costume, you know, and have their own fun time with it. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Now, I've... It's always fun to when shows are an actual event because there's so many venues, you know, always doing their own little things that it's like when it's an event like that where it's like come in costume or, you know, tonight it's going to be like there's dancers and music and it's not just rock and roll. There's punk, there's metal, there's rap, there's, you know, everything in between. Right. You know, so it's like the the bigger events like that are always a joy to be a part of. Especially when it feels like an event, too, and and everybody's really fired up about it. And that's why even when we book shows, we try to make it an event. It's like we always try to either grab like one or two bands that we know is either going to, you know, be like, a, oh, wow, they're playing together or, you know, throw the Gorgor Luchadors on it, you know, make right. an event with them or, you know, really pack it out and make it like a hate energy thing, you know, or whatnot. You know, we always try to make the show feel special in some way, shape or form. That way it's not just, oh, it's just another show. It's like, nah, we ma- we're making something for you. Yeah, figure out how to keep people in, too. Speaking of hate energy, is there any? I think I've got like literally a can that you can have. <laughs> oh, I'm so I've, excited. I've I've been waiting a long time to have another <laughs> another can of good old hate energy. I was about to ask you had had some. No, I've, with everything that we've just had going on, it's like we've just had to allocate funds to other things. So it's like hate energy is going to still be around. We just. With this new this new record coming up and a few of the ideas we want to do involving it, we'll it's keep, like we keep starting new things too. Like we're going to start a podcast, we're going to do this album, we're going to start another band. <laughs> <laughs> going to pull in more new people. Exactly. Pretty much. Just keep growing the family. <laughs> Speaking of. Part of that is Home for the Day, which is quite different music than what the fill-ins is. So talk about that a little bit. Uh, and you talked about your upbringing. And exactly. That. So explain how that kind of forms into... And actually, before we go into that, since your musical background is so different than maybe, say, like Kappenar's, let let's kind of talk about how that even still kind of works in with the music that we do create. To be honest, I don't even know, because I, I love, like... 
Okay, so my introduction to you guys, it's like I saw y'all perform. We played together several times. Because mm-hmm. um, I really did like Fosmo and, and one of the uh, 40 ounce mouse, whatever. I still like that name better. I, I wasn't ever going to talk shit on that, but I, I honestly like the full name better than the abbreviation. Fosmo was partially m- my fault because... Well, good fucking job. <laughs> they, well, no, listen. It, <laughs> I, I wanted to keep 40-ounce mouse, Yeah, but I don't remember who it was who had quit. I think it was, I think it was when Dylan left. Um, Jordan wanted to completely start from scratch. Social uh, media presence, yeah, yeah. new name, material, everything. And I was like, no, we've worked for what we've got. Let's keep it going. Yeah. And then he was like, okay, well, there's this band Modern Baseball, and mm-hmm. they go by Mobo. Mm-hmm. So Jordan had the idea of Fosmo, and that's where that came from. And that was me fighting to keep like the 40-ounce... The well, regardless, I, I still like the full name better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. But no, we, I, 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 real, I genuinely like the band, even though that was really not my cup of tea at all. I can see through not being a big fan of the genre and seeing passion and raw talent. Well, that's how I am with you guys. Yeah. It's like, it, again, our influences are really different. It's like, I, it, it, even right now, you're wearing a Kiss shirt. I'm like, <laughs> I would never. <laughs> never. Um, but no, you guys put a lot of energy into what you play, and I do as well. Even mm-hmm. if stylistically I'm different, I make it work with what y'all bring me. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, even if this music isn't what I listen to when I'm outside of what we work on. It's a lot of fun. And and that's the only reason I'm doing it. I enjoy it. And you're not the first drummer that's played with us. That's had a completely different taste from the, from us too. Mm -hmm. It's like some, we just want fast and loud. And, and, (laughs) And sometimes, and it's weird because sometimes working with someone that has such a different taste from you works because Sometimes you can kind of get in that hive mind mindset where it's like since everyone is working on the exact same gear, it's going to be very repetitive and everything's going to sound the same, you know? Right. So it's like there's still a lot of elements to even though I don't like the delivery of, say, like Rise Against, you know, let's just throw use that one as an example. I'm not really the biggest fan of that, but I'm not a big fan of that sort of delivery. That stinks, but I had it coming. (laughs) (laughs) I was being polite about it. (laughs) I wasn't like, they fucking suck. No, I'm being very fair. I'm saying I'm not a fan of that sort of delivery. That's fair. But... You totally shot on Kiss, so it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) I would never wear their shirt. Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, there, now it's on even playing field. I mean, at least my favorite band isn't doing the whole makeup gimmick. But. Oh, I, we, we can go down that rabbit hole in a minute. Don't worry. But um, no, so say even though I can't, it's not my biggest thing, I can still listen to, say, a drum beat and go, that's a good drummer. Or go, you know, ooh, I like that fill. Or, you know, ooh, this little breakdown they did. Or, you know, this, that, and the other. I can pick out an element of something like that I like. And being a musician, I know that's the kind of thing that influences another musician. Maybe not the song as a whole, the singer and the guitars and the bass. But maybe, ooh, I really like this chord progression in a song. And that's what influences a guitarist. And, ooh, I like this drum fill. So this influences a drummer. So even though we may not 100% see eye to eye on everything, 
I still see the elements of your drumming style that I go, oh, I can, el- I, we can put this in here. So we still get to play with the stuff that you like and the elements of songs that you like is just in a different form. Right. And, and uh, that's another thing, like y'all having, you know, stylistically different stuff. It's like, I get to, I get to play in ways that I've never got to play before. Yeah. Like, Drinking Again is probably my favorite song in our live set just because it's like swingy. It's like there's a lot of fun into it. I've never got to play a song like that. Um, am I allowed to say the names of the new songs? Like, Yeah, that's fine. That's the, fine. the one we're opening with. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll leave it at Dangerous. that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll so, say that. Um, the groove in like the the beginning of the mm-hmm. song like up until the end like yeah, yeah. i've never got to play like that before and that's <laughs> that's a new thing for me i i love that so well that, that means a lot though because as long as you're ha- because we want people to have fun with it and because we know that even because you know i would say that at the end of the day especially with this new record the output is very much what Cap and I are influenced by the most. We even know that, you know, a lot of the stuff in there that, you know, like what Mikey's influenced on is like the back half of Dangerous. You know, that's Mikey yeah. through and through. It's, yeah. Mikey wrote the entire song riff-wise, but, you know, that ending bit, that is 100% Mikey through and through. Like, if, if every song had a vibe like that or hate or, you know, something with that heavier riffage, that would be Mikey mm-hmm. all day long. So, I even know that a lot of the stuff that we play isn't 100% in his wheelhouse, but because of that we get to have fun with it because he still comes from a different mindset so his solos are gonna feel a little different we may have to guide him some be like eh start it off (laughs) a certain way then we can trail off and I hear the certain melody start it with the melody and then go do your thing guitar solos are hard (laughs) they are but it also comes from a place of you know You've got the idea of the song, and this is like... What's going to service the song better? And you also know that the person involved is going to service the song well, but there's still a melody you want to get out. <laughs> right. <laughs> and no, and, and that was one of the things I really appreciated when we started practicing with you, was, you know, we started playing the song Hit the Gas, and you kind of added your own little elements in it, and that alone, I was sitting here going, yeah, he's on the same page. He knows what he knows what's up. And it was stuff that I know that you've heard in the music you play, yeah. but it works because of the delivery. And that's because, and so that just always take comfort in that. that I'm not going to wind up squashing <laughs> your, you know, your background or your history or what you like. It's like we can easily implement it because of our delivery. All I'm going to say is Saturday night is going to be a ska song. It kind of already is. I don't say it's my fault. I wrote the baseline like that. No, like we need to get a horn section in on this. Like, no, <laughs> I thought about putting a piano nope. keys on. I'll, I'll put piano. Ding ding ding, I'll, ding, 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 dings. And I'll, all that. I'll, I'll agree on pianos. You keep the fucking brass away. I, that, that's uh-uh. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of ska to begin with. That's about as close as I'll get to a ska song. I'm going to record a saxophone cover of it, and I expect you to skank to it. <laughs> there's, a, there's this band from Memphis called Lucera. That was my best friend in college's favorite band until they got the horn section. Aww. <laughs> but see, but again, that's not dead. 
It might as well be. <laughs> it's like there was Bruce Springsteen sounding band anyway, so might as well. I I like it, but he's just like always like fuck that. I don't want to go see that. I'm, I'm not like I, you know I I exaggerate. I'm not super super against Scott before I get the fucking you know unless you want to call us. But, but we do know. kind of have a Scott song. <laughs> yeah, so it's like yeah, I can't hate it that fucking bad, or that wouldn't have happened. But I don't know. Just I've, I've there's been many songs I've listened to that in the end I went. If you just take out the fucking horns, I would like this. <laughs> if you take out the horns, then it's just pop punk. Well, there's. I think I like pop punk a little better than ska. Then <laughs> I'm Scott's, not still the biggest fan of pop punk. But I, you know. I was gonna say it's got his places here and there. I don't know. So let's go on the whole makeup shit. I didn't yeah, really. forget about that. Well, uh, wait, before we get into that tangent, okay. you were about to ask me something about home for the day, and then we went into the fill-ins I tangent. I don't know. You, you went into... You, that was your fault. I asked a question. <laughs> you talked about the fill-ins, which you made it about me, and then you talked about my shirt and my... Oh, yeah, you started talking makeup. shit. Yeah, so now, you know... Everything's about you. Right? <laughs> Get in line, motherfucker. <laughs> Figure it out. No, let's talk home for the day. I'm serious. Um. So, well, I I met home for the day the same way I met you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the drummer who I replaced in home for the day used to play in several other bands. Uh, Generic Terrors, Sincerely a Traitor, uh, EMD. I remember Generic Terrors. Yeah. That yeah, was, I remember them too, actually. Because they were on Mousefest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mousefest. Was that the one that had the guy that would uh, uh, press the vinyl for Charles Manson while he was in jail? Yes. Venus. Yeah. He was cool, but he was an instant cap. Yeah. yeah. People usually say that negatively, so I had to clarify for a second. Right, exactly. He's cool. I liked him. He was, he was an interesting cap. That's just one of those facts that you hear that makes you go, huh. <laughs> <laughs> so when Caleb got out of all those bands, he, um, he started playing with Home for the Day. Mm-hmm. And since then, he has had a kid and a, I think he's engaged so there may be a wedding coming up i, I may be mixing his story with peter's because peter is definitely getting married um <laughs> but uh no so i booked home for the day on mouse fest which was our cancer benefit right. you guys played it mm-hmm. twice yes um and and we were part of the compilation cd yeah yeah and you helped me a lot with like <laughs> behind the scenes stuff um i'm still very that. thankful for that oh you're a sweetheart <laughs> see and the, and the, and sad note it's like I, I never want to talk about that sort of stuff because it's like I, I can't stand when people wind up going as like oh well i do this that and the other but it's like i, I appreciate that though man thank you um so we had a last minute drop on night one of mouse fest at the milestone and home for the day had asked if they could play. So we put them on. And at that point we had played one house show with them. So we were kind of getting to know like Peter and Jared a little bit. Um, and when I started like working my way out of Fosmo, I hit up Peter and I was like, Hey, I like your vocal style. Let's start a new band. Yeah. And we met up and we talked and he was like, okay, so I can't start another band. I can't take that on, but here's a counter offer. And that's when I found out Caleb's kind of wanting to take a step back and be Mm. a more passive member. So I wound up joining and their style is more like pop punk meets radio hard rock. And it's, 
it's more along the lines of what I'm familiar with. Like I, I was going to say, that actually makes sense because I was sitting here thinking, I was like, how, I wouldn't know how to really categorize, but yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, because the biggest influences like across the board in the band are A Day to Remember and Breaking Benjamin. Right. So it, we just kind of took those two vibes and combined them. That's probably who I see on your walls more than anything is A Day to Remember and Rise Against. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of their... Uh, memorabilia has piled up at my house over time i think i have at least a dozen rise against t-shirts <laughs> hey but that's but i can never fault that sort of thing because it's like when you find a band that you just really you know dig into you know that's never a bad thing yeah you know and, and actually i'm kind of curious because since that is kind of a you know market i really or not really market a a genre of music that i've really not traveled down so i really don't know much about their you know merchandising and whatnot you know no question looking at my wall it's like kiss star wars i'm interested in the voodoo dolls that are hanging up right there we'll talk about the voodoo dolls in a minute okay but uh you know so the the main things that i've always liked star wars kiss misfits you know they've always had a a heavy stream of marketing you know since i've been able to have access to it how much does something like Rise Against or, you know, stuff like that, how much do they wind up putting their logo on things and making collector items for... A lot. Okay. Um, like, what do they do? They, every year they do, like, uh, limited run Christmas ornaments, which is kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Um, last year they did, uh, like, the big hockey jerseys, mm -hmm. um, and you could, like, personalize it with your name and a number on it. Right. They've done that, uh... When their last album, Wolves, came out, the deluxe pre-order bundle came with uh, like a limited leather vest or mm -hmm. denim vest. Right, and right. that's the one I wear when we perform. Right. Because um, uh, I'm not going to lie. I forgot to bring like a simple black t-shirt. So rocking the vest. <laughs> Give me a fill-ins uniform. I'm still waiting on Mikey to tell me what he wants his fucking logo on so I can make the full order and save some money on shipping. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's all I hear. I don't... I don't. <laughs> um, hey, you're not having to pay for shit, so... I've offered to pay for my shirt. I know, mm -hmm. but I've said that part of becoming in the band is like, you don't have to pay for something that I'm saying that I want to be worn, so if I want it to be done, I'm paying for it. You won't get paid, but you'll get free shit. I mean, that's fair. I did get the coasters, too. <laughs> yeah, those, you've got limited edition coasters that no one else has, I basically. Use, I use those coasters a lot, too. And my cats <laughs> like to throw them in the floor. Um, Multi-purpose, good yeah, to know. Yeah, good cat, for testing gravity. Cat, cat toy coaster. <laughs> um, I may spray some catnip on them or something, see if they like start chewing on it. That, yes. That's probably We'll make it good. an Instagram post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure all that toxic ink will be great for them, man. Just go right ahead. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, where were we going with that? Uh, Cats, man. Merchandising. Yeah. yeah. Merchandising. Um, merchandising. I'm trying to think other limited run stuff. They are pretty good about when they do record releases and stuff. They do limited run, like, mm -hmm. color variants. Right, right, right. So, I try to get all those. I find it interesting that it's, when did Rise Against, like, when did their debut? As Rise Against, 2000. I find uh, it very interesting that a band like that focuses so heavy on vinyl. So they, at first they didn't, like they would put out vinyl, but it was like limited pressing. Right. And over the last 
I want to say decade vinyl's been making like a heavy comeback right and they started doing like all these variants and stuff and last year they put out a box set of like all their studio albums mm-hmm. and i bought that too it's like it's how much that set you back uh how many, actually first how many records is that like seven or eight okay and then you could get them on black vinyl or clear vinyl mm-hmm. and clear was like twenty dollars more so right. i was like well, I'm already spending two fifty. Let's open it two seventy. <laughs> okay, and See, it came with a free uh, forty five as well. Word. No, because I'm always curious on that too. Because the box sets that I've always seen, there was a Bad Religion box set that had all their records in mm-hmm. it, and then Kiss, of course, constantly does box sets. They did a seven inch one that spanned from like their first release to like their early '80s release. All the seven inches they did from that. And then they did a full collection box set that was in like a gear case. And then Gene did his overpriced box set that we're not say, even going into because that doesn't even fucking The vault before the vault. The, the, the vault doesn't even fucking count. But um, <laughs> no, so I've always been curious on that because I think the 7-inch collection, I want to say that had maybe 27 inches in it. Mm. Uh, some of them were multicolored. Um, but that, that ran you about 300 and Jesus. then and then the road case one it had every record they did so it was like 20 plus records plus a slip mat cover and you know a bunch of other little trinkets and stuff and it mm-hmm. came in a road case and some of the records that were in there it's like the only time it's been pressed to vinyl and you can only get it in there because they're not going to make it part of the big re-release that they did like a year later on set record and all that shit and that was like about a grand. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, so I'm always curious on, you know, comparing other places, box sets. Because I'm like, is it only my bands that do expensive box sets? <laughs> yeah, no. Because the Bad Religion one was still like 300 bucks too, three, 400 bucks. I know specifically with um, like, you know, weird merchandising when Eminem did his last album, mm-hmm. uh, the only options you could get was like you could pay like 40 bucks and get the album and like a dog tag or something right. and then everything beyond that was like signed posters on plaques and yeah. shit and you're talking like five to seven hundred dollars easy and yeah. fucking like jewelry and shit like that it, it's really hard for me to it's not pay just, a lot, a lot extra for an autograph. Like that, that. Yeah, but that's a lot of fucking bands too. If you go to any of their websites, that's see. Like, I'm cool with it being a bit more of a premium. Like, let's say they've got the vinyl 12 inch record for 25. Okay, mm-hmm. and let's say it's a pretty popular band. Okay, yeah, I'm cool with paying an extra 10 bucks for it to be signed. Just make it limited. That way, the hardcore fans have to get in there quick, mm-hmm. make it a cart limit to where it's only one per cart. That way, people can't, you know, add like 50 of them and buy it all out and, you know, scalpers and shit. Yeah. Put your cart limit on there, do all that shit, let your pre order people know ahead of time that it's going to happen. But just make it limited. That way, your autograph is still valuable. Because that's what they're doing. They make it expensive. That way, not a lot of people buy it. That way, the autograph is still valuable. If you assign everything and make it available to everyone, your autograph isn't valuable anymore. So it's still smart, but just make it a limited release. That way, your fans can still afford it. And let's just say, for a guy like that, 200 are signed. 
Yeah. You got to hop on that shit quick if it's only an extra 10 bucks, yeah. you know? But guess what? Those 200 lucky fans now have a signed copy. Or make them all $35 and say 200 of them are signed and scattered about. I, I've seen bands do that as well. That's even cool because you're still making your autograph valuable, but now it's kind of like a jacker, uh, jacker box. Wow. <laughs> Cracker Jack <laughs> thing. <laughs> Um, so I don't know even paying a couple extra hundred bucks for an autograph like that that just no well and I feel like you know Eminem's been around such a long time like he's definitely got the fan base to do something like that he does but the same token it's like do that in a meet and greet right but the thing is he he like never does he's extremely like reclusive yeah Um, Yeah, I mean that's fine and plus on yeah and he he has the right to be um but my whole thing is, it, I believe it was him that I heard this come from. It may not be. Um, I've definitely heard somebody say it. It was like, if I sign something for you and I turn around and see it on eBay next week, yeah. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that came out of Eminem's mouth. I'm sure that happens a lot, too. It, it, it does happen oh, totally. a lot. And uh, actually, kind of segue back into something we were talking about earlier, uh, Gene... Uh, from Kiss, he actually got in a lot of hot water in the early 2000s because he was refusing to do any autographs because that's when eBay was starting to really become a thing. And he was on the big, we're not doing music anymore because people download it. You know, we're not doing this anymore. You know, and that's and people were perceiving that as him being money hungry when in reality they spent all that time building up their IP. And now with this newer technology coming out, they weren't getting the money they were expecting so it's like a new album came out and it leaked early online you know so all this shit and they're like what's the fucking point you know we yes we're doing this because we want to but at the same time it's like we spent money on this and we're not getting it back so we're not doing it and he was just very blunt about saying that sort of thing so when he started seeing that when they would do like a talk show or whatever and he would sign all these autographs outside for fans he would turn around and see it on eBay and he's like, oh, these aren't fans. These are people that basically are like TMZ folk that hang around a studio, get me to sign things and then make a profit off it. That's that's not cool. You're making money off the name that I've built up. So there for a while, he refused to sign autographs. And there was a video of him actually refusing this one guy and, you know, and this big stink being caused of it. But. He was still right in the end. It was someone that was just getting autographs done, you know, just just turn around and sell it. So it's, I, I honestly don't get why people do that sort of thing. It's like, can you not make a buck another way? I mean, prostitution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, not a form. Yeah, but no, that's just uh, not. You can't blame Gene for anything like that either. You know. No, because it happens with basically everyone, and it's like, and that's why. People need to be, you know, maybe a little bit more cautious with signing every other little thing. But at the same time, it's like it just feels wrong to have to pay a couple hundred dollars for it. That, that should be reserved for, hey, don't do a lot of autographs, but be fucking cool to the people you meet and sign the shit. Right. Yeah. That way, it's like, oh, if you do meet a genuine fan of Robert Downey Jr., it's like, yes, you can get something signed from him and it's going to be worth money because... He doesn't sign a lot of shit unless he's at the fucking hospital or on the red carpet or at an event or if someone spots him and he's cool with them. And it's like then you get to have the interaction and it's worth more. It feels like it's cheap if you spend a couple hundred dollars on something, get something in the mail, and there it is signed. Yeah. On 
you mentioned if someone sees like them out in public somewhere. Can, can There's I, a line. Can I make it a point to say like if you see a celebrity and you freak out and you like chase them and harass them for an autograph, you're an asshole. Okay, so let's actually go down <laughs> that hole. There, there, is a, there is a clear difference. I can't stand it when people approach someone. Here, here's the main line for me. If you just see someone out walking around and you approach them and say hi and they give you the shoulder, leave them the yeah. fuck alone. Yeah, that's your cue. That's your fucking cue. That means they're aware that you know who they are. Trust me, they know who they are. If someone is talking to them, they are aware that they know you recognize them. If they brush you off, you're not going to get a good interaction by continuing to pester them. Period. That means they don't want to talk, or they're busy, or they're just an asshole. <laughs> but guess what? If you walk up to a different person and you go, hi, and they say hi back, and you have a little conversation, then you get to hold on to that. But not while they're eating. Not while they're shopping. Not while they're with a group of people talking. Be fucking respectful. That's the thing that gets all over me. It's like they want to turn around and say these celebrities are assholes. It's like, well, you approach them while they're eating. Yeah. How right. would you like it if someone approached you while you're eating and started hammering you with questions and wanting photos and you to sign shit? It's like, no, you're there to eat. You don't want to be fucking bothered. And if they fucking make a quick split after they eat, guess what? That's their right as a human being. <laughs> 110. No, so I 100% agree with you on that. But it's like. There's a time and place, and you just got to feel it out. If they're at the airport standing there, not doing anything, you can walk up and say hi. And if they go, leave me alone, you go, cool. <laughs> but if it's someone like Kevin Smith, they go, hi, let me take a photo with you. <laughs> yeah, I like that approach. Just get it out of the way. Yeah. It's like, I know what you want. Let's just do it. Yeah, that's what he'll do. Like, if someone walks up to him, he goes, he tries to break it down immediately because he knows people are scared. And when people are nervous, that's when they start over talking. Right. He immediately breaks it down. So if someone walks up to him and he goes, hi, you know, he'll talk with him for a second. He goes, get your phone out. Let's take a photo. He'll initiate it that way. You're not like, uh, uh, uh. You feel more comfortable with it, and he goes, and that's even an easy, easy split for him. He goes, cool, thank you so much. Hey, I got to get going, but post that online and tag me in it, and he'll always retweet it. That's awesome. That way he'll give an interaction. It has to be quick. I'm on a rush, but I'm going to interact with you for a second. Put it online, and I'll give you your online validation. I got to go, Poof, and he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've never known that he does that. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. like, so it's like I, if you're I a wish genuine... more people were like that. And I think that's kind of the way I've always looked at it. It's like if in some random chance through the band, through podcasting, through anything else that any of us end up doing throughout our career that I get some sort of notoriety. It's like there is in no way, shape, or form I could ever be that guy that's just like, leave me alone. This is like, good Lord, these people that are pestering me are the ones that are the reason you know who I am. Right. So it's like, why the hell would I not be anything more than gracious to you? Right. <laughs> it's like, I don't take the whole mindset of you're my bosses. It's like, yeah, it's a little easy now. I still did a lot to get here, but, you know, all of y'all helped me. So it's like, I'm always going to be fucking sweet and nice to you. It's like, I've never understood the mindset of people that are just like, fuck these people. It's all 
me. It's like, yeah, a lot of it was you, but people still had to talk about it in order for other people to talk about it. I think Ronnie James Dio had a quote about meeting his fans where he's just like, uh, give everybody their moment because you probably won't remember it, but they'll never forget it too. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, actually with uh, with Ace, I know for a fact he is a fuck up. He is <laughs> just tr- trashed pickled. and pickled currently. <laughs> but when I got to meet him at Mad Monster Party for free, <laughs> didn't pay that fucking fee. Fuck that. The one thing I can remember and it's like and he absolute throwaway line that had nothing to even do with me. But during the convention they were doing free prosthetic makeup, you know, you of course you give a tip or whatever, but you know, it was a free demonstration for, you know, the college that was doing, you know, special effects makeup. So I had like this big gnarly gash on my head. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when we walked in around the corner, he's of course, you know, just kinda of sitting there doodling on yeah. the table or whatever. He just kinda of looks up and goes, Ah, that must have hurt. <laughs> I don't think you've ever told me that. And I'm just like, oh. that's hilarious. <laughs> and oh. it's like, and of course, that was really the only interaction because, of course, I'm sitting here going, say something cool. Say something cool. Don't be the idiot that goes, you're the reason I play guitar, man. He fucking hears that all the time. Say something. Think of something cool. So I'm just thinking of that the entire line. And I don't even remember what I had to say, but I had something specific to say. But as soon as he went, Ah, that must have hurt. Everything I was going to say just went... (laughs) That's all you needed. Well, because I'm sitting here going, I'm expecting pickled ace. I'm expecting him to not say anything when I come around the corner. I'm expecting him just to do the quick little pose. And after he does the pose, I'm going to say something to him. Hopefully get a thank you or a handshake and be on my way. That's all I was expecting out of it. For the fact that he wasn't entirely pickled and exhausted from talking to all these people. And he had a little bit of a classic ace moment. I was just like, ah, this is cooler already than I thought it was (laughs) going to be. It is so on brand too. Because it's like as much as I love the guy, I had to keep my expectations low. It's like I know I wasn't going to meet Happy Chipper, you know, 70s Ace. He's had a long history, you know. The people that go into that expecting this glorious, you know, bonding moment with the celebrity are always going to be let down. Because they don't want to be there half the time. Yeah, it's like they're really doing it for a paycheck. They're doing it because they know the hardcore fans are going to spend money on it. And it's like, for those people, yeah, you can have a minute with me. You know, but it's like, that's not their ideal thing to do. So it's like, you're not going to get... Imagine being in that spot. No matter how much you love your fans... Some of these people have lines out the door. You expect to have a personal connection with every single one of those people? You as a human being are incapable of doing so. So thinking that you're going to get this personal experience with a celebrity at a meet and greet, you're only going to be let down. And knowing that Ace is not on this planet much anyway, I had my expectations at the fucking ground and that's part of the reason I was not going to pay for it and we just talked our way into it. So it's like I knew I was just going to get a photo and that was going to be it. So the fact I got anything on top of it, I was like, oh, this was so worth it. (laughs) I I think my favorite celebrity encounter wasn't really an encounter, but we were like feet away from Chris Jericho before they played a Fozzie show and nobody was talking to him. Yeah. (laughs) He was getting into like pro wrestling. He's getting into character like he does in pro wrestling before he goes out there and sings. Uh But not even his bandmates are talking to him. He's just like 
not, in his own zone, in his own little world, getting ready. I'm like, I'm not fucking with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was cool because you know we, we were there for uh, with the stir and uh, Andrew. You know, he got, had his backstage. And we were just hanging out and. Um, Chris was just walking around being sociable, you know, before the show, being really kind. He was always away enough to where we couldn't really talk to him much. We weren't we weren't there to hang out with those guys. We were there to see him stir, you know, so we're not going to bug the big opening. Right. Band. And, um, of course, you know, some of them came up to us and we're hanging out with yeah. like their, you know, guitarists and bassists. I forget their names right off. Because I'm sorry. You, because Randy, you, their yeah, bassist, Randy. I remember. He was the coolest. He hung, he hung out with us a lot. He was really nice. And uh, Atlanta guy. Found that out later. Yep. And, um... But yeah, so we were just there for mainly, you know, hanging out with Andrew and um, Tanner. So Chris was just around, you know, just being nice. But yeah, by the time they were about to go on stage and their background music was playing and all that, we're, we're standing kind of side stage with Andrew. And just off in the corner, Chris is bouncing, doing his little thing and all this. And it's just like, as soon as a certain cue hit, he just went bolting onto the fucking stage like one foot on the fucking ladder like that sprint run kind of thing yeah. uses like the ladder as like a one foot lift just whoosh onto the stage snatches the microphone something he's done a million times wrestling and shit oh absolutely he he was definitely using his moves on there and even though I'm still not a fan of the music I can definitely appreciate the amount of showmanship that band puts on still not a fan of the actual music it's very um um Monster energy, tap yeah. out shirt, crowd. I got a genre now, Kyle Rock. Yes, Kyle Rock. We used to call it just butt rock. <laughs> now it's Kyle Rock. <laughs> so so, so, the, rock. so the audience, the audience was very Kyle Rock. So that, that's not really my cup of tea. And they had some decent little riffages, but that's about all I can pull from it. And Chris is an interesting host on his podcast. So I'm not against... That band as a whole is still just not my cup of tea, but right. I can definitely appreciate the amount of showmanship they put on. It was a fun show. I just thought that was wild that it was uh, <laughs> that uh, it was like one. It was an encounter, but it wasn't an encounter either. Have you had anything like that, Christian? Like, what's your? Have you had like a celebrity encounter that was kind of weird like that? I'm trying to think if I've met. Like, even if it's somebody from a band that you really like, yeah, yeah, that still absolutely counts. Like, I mean, hell, we nerd out about the fact that we hung out with CJ Ramone at the rabbit hole. Oh, yeah, but so did 20 other people. So it's that like that counts you know, for me, yeah, that absolutely counts. So, um, even little stuff like that. So, one of, one of my favorite uh, like encounters was that so there's this band called Danger Kids and they're amazing, but uh. They Fosmo got to open for them twice. Yeah, and it the first time we played with them, it was like our second or third like paying gig ever. It was at the Rabbit Hole, right? And I had seen these guys before, and I've been listening to them for a while, so I was kind of like fangirling and whatever. And after the show, it was like we were talking to them, and they actually enjoyed our music even though it was a shit show back then wow um and we wound up going out to eat the two touring bands uh 40 ounce mouse and i think take the fall like we went up take the fall yeah well that's where dallas was at before he joined fosmo yeah that's what that was so we all went to cookout and then the following july um they came back through and I put us open in that show and a couple days before the show, uh, it's like, I'm friends with all of them. Now they hit me up and they're like, Hey, we doing cookout again. I was like, 
Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell That's yeah. awesome. Um, and Dallas and I went out and saw them play in December of that same year out in Johnson City, which mm-hmm. I'd never been in Johnson City before. And we ended up... They... They wanted to go to this place that kind of looked like hams almost. Um, just a big like restaurant, sports bar kind of thing. We were there for a couple hours. Mikey is like crawling up the fucking stairs acting like a damn <laughs> creep. Oh, he's got the Nerf gun. That's oh, why. Oh, shit. <laughs> hey, Mikey. Set up for my shot. <laughs> Come oh. in. Have a seat. You join us, Mikey. Oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> it's coming in guns a-blazing. I'm hit. <laughs> hey, Courtney. They got me. But, uh, no, we ended up becoming, like, really good friends with them, and they're just super down-to-earth, and even now, like, I still talk to them, and one of their frontmen, uh, Andy, he's told me, you know, whenever we come back through, just hit me up and we'll put you on, like, hopefully that gets us out of a situation where we have to do pre-sales, so right. that'd be really nice. Um, just take all that and put it on the floor. Okay. <laughs> No, I'll get uh, geeky about that if it's a band in our little circuit that we've done shows with that di- really did what we're doing, too. I'll lose my shit over that, too. Um, I did not expect... Uh, earlier this year, Home for the Day opened for Shim, who is the original vocalist for Sick Puppies. Mm-hmm. Okay. I expected him to be off like in a corner doing his own thing, and it was Home for the Day, um, Madam Mayhem, and Sick, or Shim. Um, and just before the show, he's up walking around the venue, talking to people and he's an intimidating fellow. He's like six, four or some shit. And he's like, just wearing like leather coat and everything. I'm like, I do not want to approach this guy. And then character. Yeah. And I like how Jericho was. I walk out into the parking lot and Peter's like standing there talking to him and I was like, okay what happened like why is and (laughs) i walk up and get into this conversation and he's actually a super nice guy like extremely friendly and i was just blown away i was like you have every right to be an egotistical prick and you're not um it's just a dude and uh just a dude man it was so funny because our our guitarist jared was like on the other side of the parking lot and we were like uh, he was asking, he was like, you know, explain to me your band, like who's in it? And Peter and I, there were a couple of people stand by and we were like, we're in it. And then our third guy standing over there, his name's Jared. And Shim just goes, Hey Jared. And he turns and he's like, just ah, Shim flips him off. And I, was, I love it. Um, I was going to say, this is an audio format. So, you know, we can't yeah. really see these hand gestures. I saw it. Do you see that? I, I definitely see that right in my face. Thank okay. you. There you go. Please zip up your pants. <laughs> <laughs> he totally looked. Got him. Yeah, I, I did. Got him. <laughs> What's one of the weird experiences you've had, Cap? Uh, with uh, meeting people or meeting uh, yeah, guys in bands and shit. Uh, I've talked about the Ghostface Killer story on the podcast before. That, that was you met episode, Ghostface. That was I episodes totally and episodes ago. Yeah, but I'll tell you this story. Quick abbreviate. Yeah, I'll abbreviate it. But uh, it's, it was at the Fillmore, and Fillmore security is usually pretty stressful. And you're, it's yeah. a meet and greet for Ghostface Killer from Wu Tang, so there's a lot of people sticking around for that. So uh, Ghost is kind of like trying to get it together. He just yells at everybody, "Hey, hey, hey! Get your shit cocked! Get your shit cocked! Like have your phones ready yeah. to take pictures." 
<laughs> and uh, the guy in front of me uh, wanted me to take his picture, and I kept dropping his phone. Just cap to, being cap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I took uh, and, and finally I got so the picture. So he was the awkward skinny white boy. Exactly. <laughs> doing all this. There's a bunch of awkward skinny white boys at this show. It was hilarious. I did think of a celebrity. Like, outside, <laughs> oh, yeah? outside of music. Um, the day I played my first show with A Home for the Day, I drove from Winston all the way down here to Charlotte mm-hmm. to go to a book signing. I met Del Earnhardt Jr. Oh, that's oh, cool. Nice. He, he was actually really nice. Um, and I've had a lot of brushes or like so close moments where it's like found out at one point uh, Steve-O from Jackass was in town mm-hmm. and like at the epicenter literally like two hours after I was and I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Right. And, then, and then there was other times I worked at this restaurant in Noda and um, there was a few times that I was working in the kitchen then come to find out later like some celebrity that was filming a movie in town was hanging out in the area and doing bar hops and I'm like oh, I was stuck in the kitchen <laughs> damn it what the fuck um, last year on my birthday I had been in Charlotte the night prior we played a show at Milestone the next night we played up in Greensboro and I left Charlotte the next day. I was hanging out, getting ready to go to Greensboro, and Dallas sent me a picture of him with the guys in Impractical Jokers. They were oh, hanging shit. out in Charlotte, scoping out like locations for <laughs> mm-hmm. the show, and I'm just like, that is bullshit. I was damned. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, uh, just to kind of pull this all full circle, so if you like Impractical Jokers, Brian Quinn, that's part of that show, yeah. he's part of the show Tell Him Steve Dave that we like, and Tell Him Steve Dave is part of the Kevin Smith Podcast Network. And he's the one that does clerks and all that shit. And comic book men was wrapped in with all that. Okay. Yeah, so that that's all one big hive mind connection. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> See, you there's things that you like that we like too. <laughs> we connect. That's that's crazy. It's yeah. like a because mm-hmm. so happy cause, uh, right now. This little thing right here, that's a Brian Quinn thing, four color demons. He's he's worn that logo on the show a few times. Oh. Okay. That's a Tell Him Steve Dave thing. I did not know that. Yes. <laughs> you learn something new every day. I'm, I'm just having feel like little that? rainbows popping up in my head. I'm you look beautiful. Magical things <laughs> right now. He's so edumacated right now. Got my edumacation. You did get well, your Speaking edumacation. of edumacation, what you going to do with your life, boy? What you, what you plan <laughs> what on doing? What do you want to do with your life? I still don't know <laughs> if... Uh, Anybody who wants to hire a freshly graduated uh, business student, I, I need a job in management somewhere. <laughs> business administration. There you go. Because I was going to say, there's so many different business things that you can get. So. Well, you said sort of business. It's definitely business. No, I said what sort oh, of yeah. business. I didn't hear the what. <laughs> uh, what? 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 <laughs> That's why I was like, what sort of business college? Yeah, management. There you go. Let me let me <laughs> let me get a job in that. Um, well, let me first first let me pro tip in management. Listening is key. He's the one who carries on guitar solos and shit. Uh, not me. I listen. I listen to you. You didn't, you didn't hear the what? A small thing like that means a lot. <laughs> He's like, you're Don't hired. Tell me what to do? <laughs> you hired, motherfucker. <laughs> well, what else we want to talk about here? What you gotta get off your chest, him? We still gotta talk about the voodoo dolls. Okay, we'll oh, talk yeah. about the voodoo dolls. 
Uh, that, that That's the Annie Scene official voodoo dolls. I think they've only got a handful left at AnnieScene.com. Uh, might as well do a little pimping for them. Uh, that is... Dude. Mike <laughs> shot me with the Nerf gun. <laughs> shit hurts. It hit me in the, in the shirt. Didn't like take me full on or anything. And I'm just like flinching every time I hear the click. <laughs> well, see, Christian took his ammo and you just gave him some back. What the fuck? If you took all his ammo, then he wouldn't have anything to shoot you with. I just want to throw it at Dumbass. him. Dumbass. just felt like throwing it at him. Well, now this is what you get. Now you have the potential of being shot again. Why are you flinching? Put that down. There are sharp tacks in there, motherfucker. I'm not having you flinch and all those go flying everywhere. I needed a shield. Well, you're not using a thing full of thumbtacks as a shield. I put it back. The noise of him picking that up made me think somebody jumped straight into the blinds and was like fucking around. I was like, what? Huh? <laughs> now so, I'm just looking at it. <laughs> so the voodoo dolls, that came from an idea that uh, goes back to the Gigi Allen days. Uh, Gigi had these limited run... Uh, do you remember kind of the big bop-em uh, wrestling action figures that were about maybe... Maybe a little, maybe about 16 inches uh, and tall, but they were overstuffed. That way you could punch them, and they're like super durable, and they were almost made of like uh, jean like material. They're supposed to be able to like the rough and tumble wrestlers. Maybe. Well, there was a Gigi Allen version. Okay. And, and they were just very basic designs of, you know, just arms, head, torso, leg, and it would just be a screen printed, you know, design on it. And they mm -hmm. had a Gigi version that was uh, that they sold in like, you know, rolled up paper bag. There was only like 50 of them. It was just quickly done. I think a fan made them post death. I'm honestly not. I don't remember the actual history on that. So don't quote me. I just know they were there at one point. And later on down the line, just thinking of just interesting stuff, you know, to make Clayton saw those and was like, huh, we can just make small versions and, you know, dub them as voodoo dolls instead of just, you know, action figure or whatever. And just found a new way to kind of do it. So there's a Clayton, there's a Joe, a Barry and a Gooch. And then the second run, they did a Cosmo and a Mad Brother Ward. So it's just a fun little gimmick. If anything. Oh, we were talking about um, like crazy merchandising things i've never seen that before well in addition to that right over here we've got the official jeff clayton vinyl mask yep that is in theme of um that, planet of the apes that's an official yes they have that for sale this is the same company that will also do one. uh this is the same company that'll also do uh popular horror movie masks and they also do the motorhead um like what is it Motor pig, oh, yeah, whatever, the is, yeah, whatever their mascot. Yeah, he's did a run of those. He's done a bunch of Gigi Allen masks. That is insane. Yeah, so uh, how much was Sick that? Rick masks? I think he's still got some available on the site, also. But yeah, Sick Rick, how much did that set you back? I honestly don't remember because I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> oh, there, there you go. And that's why I was just trying to remember what, what the retail price is. Yes. Zero. <laughs> Same thing with the skateboard and, you know, shit. Yeah, Step anything goes all out fucker. with the merchandising for sure. <laughs> well, it's because they're also, you know, big fans of stuff like Kiss and, you know, it's like, put your logo on everything, man. And it's, it's all consistently fun, too. Whatever they put, put out, skateboards, the masks, uh, little action figures, the voodoo dolls. They put out a lot. 
Yeah, and then the same thing as they focus on their reissues through vinyl, you know, putting extra tracks on it and always make it colored and, you know, throw either a big-ass poster in it or they did a comic book in one of their most recent ones and it's like a multi, like a huge page comic, like printed the size of like the record too. So like the record insert, you flip through and it's a big comic book. So, you know, they, they've, okay. they've done like a bunch of really fun stuff like that. Their last record, Obstinate, had like a fucking giant size poster. It's like, I don't even have it up on the wall. It's so fucking big. <clears throat> so they always find some sort of fun little gimmick to, you know, throw in with their record. And I'd like to say we, we try to think of the same thing, whether it be hidden bonus tracks or throw in stickers, something like that. Bad with ideas, ours. stuff we can afford. Yeah. <laughs> try to make it a little bit interesting. Now, now we got An energy drink. Energy drinks. <laughs> that, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good one. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, another local band, Proper no. Sleep. Okay. I'm doing it anyways. Fine. Okay. They um they kind of did something cool with their new album that came out. They did uh 10-inch vinyl and then something they didn't promote, but they have it at their shows with them. Uh their bassist Keith, he actually likes to write stuff. So he wrote a short um story that incorporates some of the lyrics of the album mm-hmm. and then after the story the second half of the book is all the lyrics to the album like oh, the nice. song lyrics and they um they were selling those books like they had them published and printed yeah, yeah. and everything all nice uh little soft or paperback books yeah, yeah. and uh i think it was like if you buy the album the books only like five bucks and that's like and i was like that's a cool little thing to do it definitely is because one of the things that we wanted to do kind of a shelved idea more or less because we just want to be able to do it right is uh we were going to do a a cd release that was paired with a comic book and the comic book was going to be issue one of a four issue comic but issue one was going to be with the CD, and the CD was going to be kind of like the audio narration for the rest of it. And it was going to okay. be some of it we're implementing with this upcoming release, only with the way we're doing the track listing. But the premise of the idea for what we we're going to do with the comic book is nowhere to be found on this record. But right. with that idea, though, looking into the pressing costs, pressing the actual comic book is inexpensive as hell. Like down to like, we would like the actual issues we released. We could sell for like three dollars and be good, you know. And and like that, the the overhead on the actual pressing of the comic is nothing. It's the art. So throwing that out there to artists, if you want to help yeah, us really. with a comic book, <laughs> we can't pay you the respectable amount that we should be paying artists, which is why we don't have it done yet. But if you want to do this as a passion project with us and get some stuff and get some shout outs, Alex lot- will give you a hand job. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get a lot of free shit. <laughs> but we'll be very transparent and that's why we haven't done it because we fully understand and respect artists and we believe in paying them their actual worth. But we can't afford that, so that's why we haven't done it. So we're throwing it out there, being very transparent of, hey, if you want to do this shit for us, really fuck, we'll still pay you, but we just can't pay you the amount that you know we would typically pay a good artist. (laughs) But you know, if we, if you guys want to do a little passion project with us, definitely hit us up at some point. We'd like to do a comic book. We have an idea. Mikey and I have still our little outline that I'm sure we can eventually modify and change and make a little better. But you know, we've got some ideas. They're good ones too. I think it'd be a little fun. Something different. 
is I because we were either gonna do it as a um, uh, a comic book or a video game because we also were talking with people that could do like yeah. app based video games. So that's the thing. But I have a different. But I have a different idea for the video game now too. Anyway, so <laughs> if there's any video game developers out there that want to fuck around with us, we've got some ideas. <laughs> Just bring on everybody. Throw us out ideas you think would be good for us. <laughs> Something good for you. There Perfect. you go. All right. That's that's. We can't fucking go anywhere else with that. It's about time for us to dig on into our Spotify playlists and figure out what the hell we've been listening to. What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. But Christian doesn't get to play along because he deleted Spotify and isn't paying for it anymore. It it killed itself this morning. Like <laughs> I, I was using it yesterday. He said there's like fuck tool. <laughs> yeah, because I gotta get away from all this shit. about that right now. <laughs> Fucking god. I, <sighs> well, I've got something that I prefer. In this case, um, I use Last FM, so it tracks all my activity across all music apps on my phone, yeah, so I get yeah. an idea of like what I'm really listening to. There you go. Well, Captain. While he's looking up, what you been listening to? Well, this came out yesterday at the time of this uh, recording. Uh, Tyler Childers put out a new record called Country Squire, and it's about a solid like six out of ten. I like Tyler Childers, but is that, but he's got great songs, but there's a lot of like dumb shit on him too. Like this one in particular on this album, I have to mention, it's called Ever Loving Hand. It's blatantly about him jerking off. <laughs> wow. And like all of his other songs are about like traveling and shit. I just got shot by the, or I got clicked at. Nothing hit me. <laughs> <laughs> I got clicked at. <laughs> but yeah, Tyler Childers legit has some like deep, like really good songs. But that just kind of stuck out on uh, Country Squire because what the fuck? <laughs> it's called Ever Loving Hand. Ever Loving Hand. Yeah. All right, Christian. What the hell you been listening to, brother? Um. Well, this week I've been reading The Dirt by Motley Crue, so that made me want to dive more into their discography and really learn more about them. Cause prior to reading the book, I only knew the hits. Right. Um, but I've, I've been enjoying a lot of their stuff. Um, contrary to popular opinion, I feel like their self-titled albums, like one of the more like decent albums in their discography. Well, I think that also just comes from what your musical background is to begin with. Right. So uh, it's whatever you like. Man. Um, they recorded it. So, <laughs> Let me see. I also listened uh, a lot to this rapper, uh, Jake Hill. Um, he just put so, out... A is this one your mom likes? No, 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 no. <laughs> he's um, he's actually more of like a like kind of dark, like emo rap kind of guy. Some of his songs incorporate like metal breakdowns and stuff. It's interesting. Okay. Um, but there's another guy that he's like closely connected to Josh. Uh, he just goes by Josh a. So they do a lot of collaborations and they just put out an album together called, uh, save our souls. And they're doing like a tour for that later this year. So I'm going to try to go see them. Excellent. Well, I won't be listening to it, but I'm sure there's someone out there that might be interested in that. So good recommendations, sir. I do appreciate that. And mine is going to be a little bit off kilter. It's going to be a little bit something different. Um, 
on the way up to the Superjet show, we were all listening to, for some reason, the uh, John Bush era of yeah. Anthrax. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I had thrown out there, I said, yeah, I said, but for some reason, with the way, I guess, their rights are or whatever, they didn't have the one album from that era I actually liked. Literally two days later, I check and it's on there. So I was listening to it this week, which is called Volume 8, The Thread is Real. Now, I'll clear the air a little bit. I'm not saying this is a fantastic record. Right. I'm not saying saying I love this record. I'm not saying it's even in maybe my top 50 favorite records. I have a lot of those. But... It's something I've been listening to this week. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's an odd little it's even though the songs aren't there aren't great, there's some bit of odd like young nostalgia I hold with it. Because there's songs in there that I feel like I heard as a kid, but can't really put my finger on it. Like the song uh, Inside Out. For some reason the chorus and the intro to that song resonates in me where it's like I feel like I remember hearing it when I was younger. And just not processing it. And it's definitely a record that none of my family would have bought. So it would have been just something I heard in passing on the radio. Or maybe a school kid was listening to it. So mm-hmm. that's probably the only reason I hold any sort of connection to the record. But I don't know. Just to me, I think there are some pretty good fun jams on there. Like Inside Out is fun. Uh, Toast to the Extras. It's a song that's completely different from the rest of that record. It's mm-hmm. almost like a country song when the rest of it is like thrashy early 2000s uh actually All 98 right. kind of uh, you know record interesting it's just it's very interesting and there's another song there cup of joe which is kind of like a joke song it starts really slow and just gets faster and faster and faster and it's just about needing a cup of coffee <laughs> you know so it's like there, there's that's fun they're self-aware they're being kind of funny in it so that's it's an interesting record so that that's at least what i've been listening to it's a little bit of a breakup from everything else i've been hearing lately yeah the anthrax uh, eras are always fascinating yeah they're that uh, still one of my favorite live worship bands, music still one of my favorite records there it's still so like crazy that just came one. out and came out like that good when they got back with belladonna yeah no it was really good well, I think that's about all we've really got to cover this time. Sorry we didn't talk about the Super Jet show, but we want to have at least one actual other member here to talk about it. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> it was a whole lot of fun. If you got something to share with us, definitely give us a call to that voicemail hotline number. That phone number is 513-463-7439. We've been really bad at promoting that. we got to get back on that. We gotta get our segments back. (laughs) We've slowly dissolved all our segments. (laughs) We've been too busy. We had music news. We had the phone number. We had what's on your mind. Well, what's on your mind is the phone number. Yeah. I'm having fun, though, just chilling and hanging, too. Did you have fun, Uh, Christian? I had a lot of fun. This is nice. I want to come hang out with y'all more when y'all do this. Um, Also, I know Peter wants to get on here, so maybe a home for the day fill-ins collaboration on this. Absolutely. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Cool. So again, guys, if you got something to share, give us a call on the phone number. Give us follow on the social medias at something GFY on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Got to keep that the shit the same everywhere. Got to make it easy on folks. <laughs> and I think that's really all about it. Uh, I got We a, got the show tonight, but that's not really tonight. any sort of good to promote it like this. Uh, all that country music that I've been talking about uh, it finally has a release date September 13th September 13th, excellent so we'll be taking a listen when that comes out and I think after that 
We've got one more show coming up in August with Self Made Monsters over at the Milestone Club. I think that's probably going to be next week when this gets released. I think so. You're right. And then after that, we've got one more show tentative if Christian gives us a 100% yes. Go ahead. Is that a 100% yes? Go ahead. You actually uh, going to do it? I I mean, unless I die. All right. Oh, (laughs) Oh, wow. All right. Well, technically voicing it here, even though it's already going to be public before this comes out. Right. (laughs) He's doing it live, but... Live, but not live. Uh, We're going to be back up at the rim come October. Got to find the fucking date because it's so brand new. This is going to be my first time playing out of state since the very first show I ever played. No shit. There you go. So we'll be back up at the rim October 11th with the one and only Fast Eddie. That's going to be a fucking amazing show. I'm fucking stoked. Rest of the set to be announced, but <laughs> it's going to be the fucking fill-ins and Fast Eddie at the rim. So Man, who gives breaking shit? news from a week ago. <laughs> breaking news from a week ago. Oh, shit. <laughs> and Cap gets shot again. <laughs> so that's the main shit we've got going on. Uh, what you got home for the day going? Home for the day is currently going through auditions uh trying to fill up our lineup our our old guitarist quit a couple weeks ago that after our a bitch that three-day run we did um so trying to get a new lineup piece together got a show coming up in september that i think is going to be more like a private party kind of thing and then we're also playing Carolina Uprising Festival in Rowan County at the fairgrounds on October 5th. 5th. And it's basically like 50-some North Carolina bands over two days, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember hearing about that, dude. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, Apparently, uh, I heard from someone it's like a monster sanction event like they're sponsoring it so many so. kyles <laughs> bring all your kyles all your kyles um, no drywall will be safe we're also in the studio working on one of two eps we hope to get out this year Excellent. the first single is finished mm-hmm. and we'll be releasing that hopefully here in the next couple months word well actually that'll be the perfect time to bring you guys back Whenever that gets released, come on in. We'll play it at the end of the show. We'll chat about it. All that good fun stuff. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. We can maybe talk about the concept for the music video, too, that hopefully you'll be shooting. That is right. As we mentioned a few episodes ago, trying to get those side hustles built up, and one of those was music video editing and audio editing. So it's about time for me to start trying to take on some clients. Uh We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, Cap, do you have an outro for us? Uh, I'm looking for clients, too. Hit me up. For Where? What? On Facebook, Instagram, for guitar. All right. I just wanted the. I just wanted the bullshit outro. I just wanted the bullshit outro.
It's like that Fiverr app. You just send him money. He'll do whatever you want. Yeah, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> now, Cap, Cameo. <laughs> so, if people listen all the way to the end after the outro song. Now, we're in our outro. Where can they listen to you? Uh, you or can where pro- they can reach you. You rather. can reach me on Instagram, Facebook, at James Capel, none the third, and uh, Jimmy the Weed on Instagram. There we go. Have a good one, y'all. This has been another amazing production from the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.